Hello, and welcome to Partially Redacted, a podcast where we discuss data privacy engineering and related topics. I'm your host, Sean Faulkner, and today I'm joined by Dan Myers, Developer Advocate Lead at Snowflake, and we'll be discussing some of the security and privacy features available in Snowflake's data cloud. Dan, welcome to the show. Yeah, excited to be here uh, and talk all about uh, data privacy and building data apps. Awesome. So I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about you and your background and how you got interested in the data space. So your developer advocate lead at Snowflake seems to be one of the hottest companies in the world right now. But can you start off by introducing yourself and maybe share some background about how you ended up uh, where you are today? Absolutely. So my journey to Snowflake, I lived in the Silicon Valley area, went to Cisco, worked on Fortune 10 companies. So Google, Apple, Amazon, helping to build out and really help scale some of their networking. And so there's a lot of data there, right? A lot of it is telemetry data that uh, you can leverage to you know, optimize your, your data center networks, et cetera. Fast forward from Cisco, went to Google, worked on Google Assistant and uh, specifically the actions on Google platform. There's really, uh, no matter where you are, de definitely in, in the tech space, a, a lot of the decisions that you make leverage data, right? I definitely learned that throughout my career uh, and, and, and saw that firsthand. So after Google is when I came to Snowflake uh, to help lead and incubate and grow the developer relations function and, and really help scale uh, this team globally. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me and uh, what I do here at Snowflake. Awesome. That must have been uh, quite a, a bit of a transition going from working with basically like Fortune 10 companies on their networking to sort of, you know, actions on Google where you're working with like a lot of long tail of developers building, you know, small voice applications uh, that, you know, maybe maybe they have 10 users, uh, let alone not, not necessarily being in the Fortune 10. Yeah, it, it, that's a great point. And I, I think that is what has really set me up and for to have this really holistic view on developer needs. So uh, when you think about it, you know, the, the needs of, of a small startup um, or the individual indie developer is, is sometimes and very often very different than, um, you know, the engineer at a large Fortune 10 company. Um, the types of resources that they're looking for, um, the solutions that they're trying to build, their engineering practices that they follow are very different. Um, and so that having that dynamic uh, and, and working in both spaces um, is something that I think uh, here at Snowflake, you know, we we have the full gamut of, of customers, right, from uh, massive enterprises to to startups, largely because everybody nowadays is using data to solve their problems. And, and I think that trend will continue to, to grow um, and, and move forward. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a good uh, transition, actually, to start to talk a little bit about Snowflake. So Snowflake's obviously a, a big company, IPO'd last year, doing really cool stuff in the data cloud world. And I think anyone working in the data space today has definitely heard of it. But just in case there's some folks you know listening that aren't super familiar, can you you know maybe start with a brief description of what uh, Snowflake is, what it does, how people use it, why they use it, and so on? Absolutely. So at the high level, Snowflake is the data cloud. What do I mean by that? And what's the definition of that? Really, the vision that we have is that no matter what 
format your data is in, you know, is in whether it's what we call structured data, uh, whether it's semi-structured data like JSON or Avro, et cetera, um, or completely unstructured raw binary PDF files. No matter what format it's in, no matter where it's living, it could be in an S3 bucket. It could be, you know, uh, you know, something that you want to upload from your local laptop. Um, you should be able to ingest, analyze, take action on that data, right? Um, and you should be able to do it in the cloud, um, and you should be able to let you know use that data in the rest of the software ecosystem, the rest of the cloud ecosystem that uh, that you may be using already, right? Um, and this is really where the um, kind of Snowflake's partner network um, and data sharing capabilities really shine. Um, there is, you know, as part of the data cloud, uh, more and more applications are utilizing data from their customers directly, right? We, we call this a connected app here at Snowflake, where, you know, you may be a, um, uh, a marketing company that, uh, that ingests website metrics and, and stats. Um, your, your customer wants to directly join and query that data in, uh, in conjunction with and literally join that data with product metrics that they have internally, right? Not from their website. Um, and so Snowflake is what enables you to do that um, in this secure you know, manner. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, in, in short, it's the data cloud where you can ingest, analyze, take action on whatever data you have, no matter where it is globally. Mm -hmm. You know, and obviously like databases, data storage has been around for a long time. Data warehouses, I think, has been around since the 1980s. ETL or extract, transform and load been around since like the 1970s. So this concept of like mass long-term storage, moving data around, transforming it for the purposes of analytics, reporting, it's not something new. What's unique about, I guess, like Snowflake, besides it's a unique Snowflake, uh, and what, what did the company bring to market that was different and like really resonated with companies to grow into sort of the massive businesses now? Yeah, I mean, one of the very, very first things is the, is the fact that you can you can scale separately, compute and storage in Snowflake. Um, and what do I mean by that? Is that you know a lot of data applications, right, are either very compute intensive or very storage intensive, right? They don't always scale at the same rate. Um, and so uh, it's important to have a platform like Snowflake that you can either yeah, that you can scale those two elements separately. Now, what's also unique about Snowflake. Um, and what a lot of people, it doesn't click for them immediately is the fact that you can, you can separate compute from other compute in Snowflake. So you can scale different teams' compute resources independently. Um, a great example of this is, um, you know, maybe your, your core engineering team, product team that's building your production environment that's, you know, storing your live customer data, um, that's going to scale, have way different scaling metrics than, than your finance team that has to use some of that production data, whatever, you know, the, the payments that are coming in. Um, but you don't want their, the finance team's queries uh, that may be, you know, ad hoc in manner and doing different analysis to have any impact on the production environment. With Snowflake, you can spin up compute, which we call a warehouse, um, independently from each other. Um, and so you have these these types of use cases where uh, you need to be able to to do that. And that's you know to so to your question, 
Um, that would say, I'd say that's one of the core core differentiators for Snowflake is the separation of compute and storage, and two, it's it's core data sharing functionality. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, companies are storing massive amounts of data in Snowflake, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's companies that are storing you know petabytes of data. So which likely includes, you know, sensitive and regulated data, regulated data like PII, maybe healthcare information. So what are some of the features that Snowflake provides to help actually protect customer data in, you know, sharing scenarios or even like in the, the scenario you're talking about where, you know, maybe the marketing team needs some, you know, version of the data, but the finance team needs a different version of the data. Yeah, I love that question. I mean, so so here at Snowflake, we, we kind of bucket those types of features into what we call uh, governance. Um, and so data governance. Um, and so with that, we have things like masking policies, uh, row access policies. Um, we even have things, you know, that where you can tag, you know, add specific metadata to the various objects within Snowflake. Um, and, uh, and, and so the, these are kind of a, a bucket of features that users can leverage to provide that type of data security um, uh, and data access uh, that is that is different depending on who's viewing or who's accessing that data. Mm -hmm. And there's also, I believe, uh, you know, different deployment models and architectural decisions that someone may make that could potentially impact data security as well. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of the like choices that someone's making when they're using Snowflake and how those things impact uh, potential data security? Absolutely. So, you know, you're probably thinking of the various kind of multi-tenant architectures that Snowflake, that, that you can implement in Snowflake. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's a few different kinds that we see our customers leverage often. One is, you know, a, a multi-tenant table, right, where you have specific access policies based off of the role of, of the, the user that's accessing that table. Um, you can also have um, you know, an object per tenant. So you can have, you know, different databases entirely, right, um, within Snowflake, one, one per tenant. Um, you know, it, it, there's, the point is, is that there are, there's a few different architectures that you can implement with this. Each have their various pros and cons. Um, and, uh, but the benefit is that you have the flexibility within Snowflake um, based on your specific needs that you can implement. Mm -hmm. And then are there things built into uh, Snowflake in terms of like, you know, best practices or, or guidelines so that people choose the right options for their, for their business and their needs so that they're, you know, not accidentally standing, you know, setting things, something up where they're, they're stepping on a, you know, accidental landmine or something in terms of their deployment and configuration options? Absolutely. I would suggest we actually have an entire white paper that goes over the specifically multi-tenant. One of my colleagues wrote it. Uh, it's, a, it's a really great piece. You can check it out. You can actually download it from developers.snowflake.com um, and go to the resources page there and, and search for multi-tenant architecture. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, and it'll go over in detail um, the three main types of multi-tenant architectures, when to use them, um, and considerations for, for you know, specific ways and, and the choices that you should be making when you, when, uh, when you make that decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, so how does someone sort of get started with Snowflake? Who's usually 
the person in a business is actually like going through the maybe the migration of of data to use Snowflake, and uh, I guess like what's the typical path for a company to kind of migrate to starting to use the platform? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be different based on based on what the company's using Snowflake for, um, and uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be you know a, a combination of people. Um, you know the very likely you'll, you'll have uh, you know a data engineer that can that will be helping to uh, create and implement your data pipelines and ingestion ETL into Snowflake. Um, uh, you know you'll also have uh, your data analysts and, and data scientists helping to you know ensure that the data that is getting ingested is is what they're is correct and what they're looking for um, and uh, you know, I would say that the primary users, implementers of Snowflake, the people that are logging in, building things with it, we, we actually call these folks builders collectively. Um, and, and to us, that definition includes, you know, app developers, data scientists, data engineers, um, even analysts, um, you know, the folks that are logging in and creating things with Snowflake. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just had a few quick reminders. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button so you can always get the latest episode and help others discover the show by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really helps. Last thing before I get you back to the interview, if you are interested in the topics discussed in this podcast, then you should definitely, definitely join the Partially Redacted community at skyflow.com community. There you can meet other interesting and like-minded individuals like yourself, share your expertise, or just passively engage, totally up to you. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, I kind of think that like traditionally we've kind of bucketed, you know, these different uh, roles into basically like separate things. Like we don't think about an application engineer necessarily being uh, doing similar activities as like an analyst or something like that. But now I think with the the growth of platforms like Snowflake and, and, and data engineering and stuff is really, it's like, it's like a new category of developer really. I totally agree. I mean, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the Snowflake is the tool that, that can be used by all of them. Um, and because it's 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 a platform that they can build on top of. Um, and the ecosystem that Snowflake plays in, the data ecosystem that, that we play in uh, is quite large. Uh, so there's a lot of integrations that we have, things like that. So earlier you mentioned a couple of different sort of like privacy and security features that uh, Snowflake provides, like column level security features like data masking, external tokenization. Can you dig into a little bit about like how those things work and, and what they're used for? Yeah. I mean, so just kind of looking at like dynamic data masking, right, as one of the first examples. Um, the idea there is that based on the role of the user that's looking at that data, whether, you know, maybe it's. Uh, you know, a developer that's building an app versus um, a salesperson that's trying to get some information uh, that's also there, right? Um, the point is, is that those two different users um, should ha should not be able to see necessarily all of the information that is there, right? The goal is that all information is stored in Snowflake. Um, but not everybody should be able to see all that information. That's, you know, that, that PII information, especially, um, and, and different, you know, sensitive or confidential information should be restricted. 
Um, and so with dynamic data masking, this is a, a method that you can leverage to literally, you know, hey, maybe maybe you want to, you know, on emails, you know, you, you have a table full of users um, and you want to see, you know, what domain that they that this email user is from. Right. So maybe it's, you know, snowflake.com. Um, but you don't necessarily want to always show the actual username portion of the email. Right. So with dynamic data masking, you could actually implement something like that, where at query time, at runtime, like it is it is masking part of that field. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can add all sorts of logic to it um, to do it special and in, in all these different cases based off of user, based on tags, based on, you know, et cetera. Um, uh, but that's, you know, in a nutshell, one of the, uh, you know, methods for ensuring uh, data privacy on Snowflake. Mm -hmm. And is that dynamic masking applied essentially uh, during during query, so essentially the data is like decrypted, masking is applied, and then rendered the view or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a few different ways to implement it, but yes, like the the idea is that um, you know the the raw data is what's stored, right, and mm -hmm. um, and what's what's returned um, during runtime is it, it can change uh, because of the context of where that query is running. Um, and, um, and that's where like all of those different variables for that masking policy come into play. Um, and so, you know, again, it could be, it could be based off of what user is running that query. Um, it could be based on context of, of, you know, other data within, you know, within the, the schema that you're looking at, like based off of the tag that's associated with that column or something like that. Um, all of that can be done, uh, and implemented in Snowflake. Mm -hmm. So one thing I think that, um, you know, Snowflake's also known for is really like data sharing and, and a big theme at this year's Snowflake Summit was collaboration. And actually the talk I gave at the summit was related to this topic, like utilizing Skyflow essentially with Snowflake for internal and external company privacy preserving data sharing. So, but can you talk a little bit about some of the native tools and features that Snowflake provides to facilitate uh, data sharing and, you know, there's probably third-party integrations as well through, um, you know, some of the native app features that you support as well. Yeah. I mean, so data sharing is, is definitely a very core part of Snowflake. Um, and at the end of the day, with data sharing, you can share different objects and, and things like that within Snowflake. You can, you can obviously share like tables and things like that with, with folks. Um, you can share that privately. You can also share it on our data marketplace. Um, now, what is really cool with this concept of sharing is, you know, Snowflake, you can obviously store and analyze data, but uh, more and more so, you, Snowflake is the processing engine uh, for these data workloads. The point is, is that you can uh, create what's called a, a UDF, for example, uh, you know, a user-defined function, so a piece of a piece of code you can you know do Python if you want, um, and you can share that function with others. Um, we even actually announced during Summit a framework called the Native Application Framework um, and Native Apps. Uh, what's really really amazing with Native Apps is that it takes this concept of of sharing and builds on top of it, where uh, you can have a full-fledged application that is running in Snowflake 
and uh, you can essentially a customer can quote unquote install this application, and what that and and they can programmatically guarantee that the data is not leaving that customer's environment. So this application can do all sorts of things to your data. Maybe it's maybe it's it's doing sentiment analysis on on a bunch of you know user comments things like that. It's not having to send those user comments to a third party service uh, doing that sentiment analysis and, and then sending it back to Snowflake. It's keeping that data there, which one improves you know performance and efficiency, but it also ensures that data protection and data privacy. Um, and so uh, that's a really exciting feature. Of Snowflake that I'm that that uh, you know that that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so it's basically you're bringing the app to the data rather than the other way around, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this earlier, and there's also one of the things that was talked about at the summit, which is the tag-based data masking. Can you talk about what that feature is and how that's you know different, or is it complementary to dynamic data masking? Yeah. Um, so really, uh, the the tag-based data masking is part of just you know, and, and used in conjunction with the general data masking feature. So the idea is that you can tag uh, different elements, different objects within Snowflake. Um, and these tags can be custom, it's, uh, you know, really, and you can tag whatever you want, essentially, is, is, the, is the idea and goal. Um, and then you turn around and leverage this tag, which is a piece of metadata now within Snowflake, to implement additional logic within your masking policies. Right, so you can say, you know, I have this column that is tagged as um, a social security number, um, and so um, you know, I want to mask uh, everything but the last four or something like that to for for folks, um, and uh, and and you can incorporate that tag specifically into that masking policy, um, as that way that way it's a little bit more. Scalable, and for example, you can just start tagging different different columns and different things. You could, you know, instead of tagging it at social security number, you could tag tag it as, um, you know, uh, PII, right? And now you have kind of a PII masking general masking policy across all columns that are tagged that way. Um, and so it's it's used in conjunction. Mm -hmm. And what's the best way for someone to kind of get started with learning some of these, you know, tools and techniques that are available within uh, Snowflake, like obviously it's a big platform. There's a lot of things to kind of ramp up on. Uh, potentially it's kind of overwhelming. What's the base place to kind of get started? Great question. I, I would say really that there, there's a couple places that, that they want to check out. One, the first one is developers.snowflake.com. Um, from there, they'll, there's the resources page. There's a direct link to quick starts, which is uh, the, the full end-to-end -end tutorials. Now we also have instructor-led tutorials. So we have a, a, a whole one that's getting started from, from zero to Snowflake is what we call it. Um, and uh, that's, you, can, you can check that out, hands -on, virtual hands-on labs at Snowflake, instructor-led. Um, and, uh, and definitely check out developers.snowflake.com. Yeah, and I'll just add that on a personal note, I've done a bunch of those quick starts in there. <laughs> They're fantastic. So, you know, moving away a little bit from specifically Snowflake and just kind of thinking about the data space in general, what do you think some of the, you know, big gaps in data privacy are today? And are there sort of future technologies or developments that you're you're really excited about? Yeah, uh, it's another great question. I mean, I would definitely say one of the gaps and, uh, I, you know, I think I touched on, on the future development of, of this gap already, but one of the gaps is 
that separation from of, of third-party data, you know, SaaS providers that are building data apps um, with the customer's data. You know, the, the point being is that they're, they're, these data apps are having to take data from a customer, send it over to themselves, do whatever processing they are doing to the data, and then send it back, right? There's a, the, the gap there is that, you know, there's, depending on who that customer is with that data, they're going to have all sorts of possibly, you know, reg regulatory requirements, um, you know, uh, security reviews, et cetera. Um, that's a long process, very intense process. Um, something like a native app on Snowflake helps to solve that gap because now you can literally programmatically guarantee that that data is not leaving that customer's environment. So all of the various, you know, uh, access policies and governance policies that they have instilled in their data and set up can be applied to that application and the view that that application gets to your data. Um, so that, that would be, I would say a gap where that, that is that Snowflake is, is targeting to solve with, with the concept and implementation of native apps. Mm -hmm. And then, Obviously, this is like a you know data is a really big space. Data privacy is a big space. It's complicated. Um, what are sort of how do you keep up to date? I guess on like what's going on in the industry. What are some resources that you leverage? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I I'm personally a big fan of Hacker News, right? I mean, you know, so I love Hacker News. Um, but also, I mean, you know, uh, I listen to podcasts, um, you know, and and you know various various news sources, um, and. Uh, um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I, I stay in touch and and learn about new things all the time. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then any specific podcasts you want to recommend? This one, this one right here, you know, <laughs> a good one. Um, the uh, but also you know a uh, big fan of uh, so like I I do um, kind of a, a video um, uh, vlog right uh, powered by Snowflake um, that uh, that I that I do which is all about um, companies. Um, startups, big, big publicly traded companies building their apps on Snowflake and, um, you know, why they chose Snowflake, what is their architecture that they've, that they've chosen to build Snowflake, you know, to, to leverage, um, and, uh, kind of asking them their, their product leadership, engineering leadership questions, um, all around their, their business, um, and, uh, how and why they chose Snowflake. Awesome. Anything else you, uh, would you think our, our listeners should know or, or things that are top of mind for you? Um, you know, uh, if, if you are interested, um, you know, in learning more about Snowflake, about building your data application on Snowflake, and especially about native apps, um, you know, go and check out developers.snowflake.com um, and uh, big shout out there. Awesome. Well, it's always great to catch up, Dan, learn about your world. And thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome.